ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hey, what is up everyone? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. And this week on the podcast, we decided to bring you another episode of Observing Our Thoughts. And if you don't know what these episodes are of Observing Our Thoughts, basically it's just where me and Chris get together as two best friends and we talk about all the different things that's been on our minds over the weeks and months and really dive deep into some deep topics and basically just ramble out out of our arses. <laughs> so anyway, this week on this podcast, we talk about ask, and ask the question, could consciousness be a disease? Crazy one, yes, I know, but we dive in all crazy stuff on this podcast. We also ask the question, as a society, have we made too many choices and gone in a certain direction from an individual standpoint instead of operating from a more collective point of view? And within that, we talk about government corruption, political assassinations, suppression of ideas, and many other topics as well. And I just wanted to say before we jump with this podcast, next week on the podcast, we have a conversation coming up with Tom Campbell. I met up with Tom Campbell a few weeks back. And if you don't know who Tom Campbell is, he is the G of simulation theories. He was one of the first guys who actually came forward saying that we live in a simulation and he is also a former NASA physicist. So that is an interesting conversation and that will be next week. Cannot wait to share that one with you. And also as well, me and Chris, just at the weekend gone, we travelled to North Wales and we recorded a podcast with a very interesting guy who has a new theory, well not a new theory, but a theory that's been around for a while, but he's trying to really bring bring the data from a biological perspective over and he's a biologist one of the leading biologists in the UK called Milton Wainwright and he talks about the theory of panspermia and that is a really fascinating conversation we've just done we also met up with a guy at the weekend in Manchester as well a guy called Stephen Ferber and he has just been he he was given a grant for 19 million to build a brain so that's another another massive podcast as well. So keep an eye out for them in the next up and coming weeks. I also just wanted to bring a bit of attention to our Patreon page. Over the last few weeks, a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but there's definitely been about 10 people who have dropped off from the Patreon supporters page. And it would really mean a lot if you, if other people could step forward and try and fill that gap because it really does help the podcast grow. We didn't have a lot of patrons on there to start off with, but the amount of people that we did have was really a big help and was, it wasn't was covering the full amount for travel and stuff like that, but it was basically just giving us a good little base so me and Chris each week didn't have to pull out our own money. And it was really helping us out with travel costs and 
the upkeep of the podcast. So please, if you can, find it in your heart, support us through our Patreon page or our one-off donation option, and it really will give us a boost and help us to keep doing what we're doing. So anyway, enjoy this podcast of Observing Our Thoughts. It's probably <laughs> it's probably not how I should be because normally I'm like the off the cuff and that's not usually all me. Doesn't matter having a few notes in front of you. Some exactly. things that you want to relate to and jump back to. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, another episode of observing yeah. our thoughts. Yeah, another episode, brother. Here we go again. Cool. So, right, let me begin because I told you something the other day. Because every once in a while, we come across something and it blows our mind. You start to get a grip on what you think consciousness is like. You start, everyone believes that consciousness is this great thing that we've all experiencing right now. It's a wonder of the universe, which it truly is. Mm -hmm. But then there comes a time when someone can see something that will completely make you think of it. And this was from a Spanish philosopher called Miguel de la Muno. And Miguel de Amuno, he argued that consciousness is like a disease. He found this out when his son, when he lost his son, and he realized that each conscious thought, his excessive conscious thoughts, were basically acting like a disease on his body. They were breaking him down to the point of basically nothingness, really. And I'm just going to read you a quick quote here. From what he said in his book, The Tragic Sense of Life, right? And the book was all about consciousness and death, basically integrated with his son. So, he says this. Pandemic, pandemic and chronic consciousness produces an exquisite suffering unique to humankind. As man becomes aware of his or own death, even though death has no and can have no concrete representation in reflective self-consciousness, nor in the unconsciousness, all men must know intuitively that they must die. So, make of that what you will, but basically what I'm thinking he's saying... It's a big one, that. Yeah, it is a big one, and it's been on my mind for a while. Why why would he believe that consciousness is a form of a disease? Is it... And to be honest, there's someone else, another um, writer, I think his name is, Dot Skabetsky... He said in a, um, he said after in one of his famous quotes, and it's that he also says that to be conscious is incredible, but to have excessive consciousness is a disease. Now I'm trying to balance this out. Now we'll let you talk in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I'm just trying to get a bit of context because it's a difficult one to really mm. try and wrap your head around what he means. Because and this is what I'm thinking he means. I'm thinking he means that. The more you can't control your thoughts, the more they can control you. And if your thoughts are really concrete and on the fact that how much, how, how bad and your life is, what's happened to you, the struggles that you have, you will become the struggles. You will become your thoughts. Whereas a lot of the Eastern philosophy, basically all of it says suffering. You've got to separate yourself from it. And that's the meaning of like true living. 
So I'm thinking <laughs> that you can have a talk now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there's two things in that I want to touch on. All right, brother. In that statement when you said, his his statement that he made, when he said about how you were talking about, what was it, read the, the end statement again about death, just to reiterate that? Yeah, I'll read it. Just the end bit about death again? Yeah. Pandemic and chronic consciousness produces an exquisite suffering unique to humankind as man becomes aware of his own death. Own death. Right. Even though death has no and can have no concrete representation in reflective self-consciousness, nor in the unconsciousness, all men must intuitively know that they must die. So there's two thi- two things in that. What, so on the deaf one, because I think that's two separate points, and that's what I'm getting from that. And see what you make of this. So mm-hmm. the second point that I think he's making is that because we know of our own death, it causes anxiety, and it can be a problem. Do you, is that, am I getting that right there? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then the first one that he means is that his own consciousness and all the things that were going through his mind, like his thoughts and his feelings about his son's death, mm-hmm. caused him to believe that consciousness is actually a bad thing and it was really sort of too much for him. Mm. Is that what you got from that point? Because that's what I got from the points. It's an interesting... Just before I try and break them down yeah because that's what I saw from that statement yeah that's a really good point what of his mainly mainly his concept in philosophy is to embrace suffering he understands it it's a disease but he also states that it is only suffering that makes us persons and that's an interesting concept too I see what you're saying that's a really good point but when he's saying consciousness is bad the only thing I can disagree with there is I don't think he thinks it's bad I think it's what makes us human and I like that I like that concept of how the struggle actually makes you a human being it's not the, it's not actually the um, the happiness that makes you human it's not the um, it's not the comforts in life that can guide you into this higher form of existence where you feel happier mm-hmm. It is the suffering. I mean, and this is going to be sound way out there, but I've heard it argued. There's did a study in Poland straight after World War Two, and they asked people the reflection on their lives now, and the majority of them all said that their lives were happier now, better now, because of the struggle that they went through. They got a new perspective on life. They knew how precious life was the gift from was from the suffering and that's what I think Miguel Delamuno is going at I think he's on about how suffering is a gift and how we must appreciate it that's interesting that's a good point but I didn't from what that statement you read I didn't think he meant that mm. for me I thought that he meant he it seemed to me the context that I got is that he is having a he's having these multiple voices in his mind where his thoughts are dictating and he believes that his thoughts are his consciousness because mm. the question I wanted to ask from that is that from the statement he meant he said is are our thoughts our consciousness because i think it's two separate conversations because i don't think mm. my, i don't think my thoughts are consciousness i think my thoughts like the way i see my life is at every single day of your life we have our mind has these sort of battles where you have these different types of thoughts one thought says do this another thought says do this mm-hmm. thing but I think the key is is not to attach yourself to them thoughts. It's like sort of you know the analogy of where people talk about how 
the the people who are on the side of that consciousness isn't a byproduct of the brain and consciousness is just coming into the brain mm-hmm. that's the way i like to see thoughts sometimes that w- our brains are the receiver of just the thought so are we, so your brain now you get a thought in your mind that's not consciousness the thoughts just coming through you like a receiver mm. and it's who is it again i'm sure it's some of the ancient traditions in the past they talk about the the witness mind where they say that when your thoughts come into you that you should be like more like just be the observer of them don't attach yourself don't attach anxiety to the thought and that's I, I just get I just from that statement I just thought that he's mixing up the difference between consciousness and thought, mm. and make it that way you want. You've yeah, read the book. It. I haven't read the book, but that's what I was. I've never read the book. I've read a, um, I've read somebody's <coughs> interpretation of the book, and analysed it from that. There, I've never read the book yet. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I won't. Um, that, that's a good point. I mean, basically, then you have to argue what would you believe that consciousness was would you believe that it is internal thoughts or would you believe it is some form of random occurrence that'll happen in that we happen to perceive i don't i don't know if it's any of them you <laughs> what do you think i mean in in here's something right Sigmund Freud said this right this is really interesting he said see when you, you know when you have thoughts when your thoughts come into your mind mm-hmm. he says that you know when you forget about when you forget about a thought mm-hmm. he said where does it go that's a good point that is a good so point so when thoughts disappear where do they go and then you can ask yourself the question like you, you, you're conscious now like you, you are conscious you're thinking you're seeing mm-hmm it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one this to get your mind around All right. but like do you, do you know what I'm trying to see I'm trying no, to see no, that it's, thoughts it's, disappear but like your 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 perspective of self doesn't mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point I like this I'm trying to actually analyse it and work it out it's, hard. it's, it's deep in a it is hard it's a good point actually alright so how do you argue with Sigmund Freud after 30 seconds of hearing something <laughs> right so when you give the um because do you think thoughts steer with you? Like even though, see if you have a thought now, imagine, and then you, it disappears. Do you think it steers with you I mean, in your mind? Yeah, yeah, I like a memory. Actually. I do actually. I do. I think of it life. Sorry, consciousness is like life itself. So because I'm in the focus at the minute with you, this is all I'm happening. That's all that's going in my mind mm-hmm. is the thoughts with you. But that doesn't mean that things aren't happening elsewhere in, say, the br- life in the brain. So somewhere right now, someone's driving. That is also going on at the same time as me. So I think these thoughts are still continuing in the brain. That's why people can still sense anxiety, even though they don't know what the, how they're feeling. So, sorry, they know how they're feeling, but they don't know why they're feeling. And then all of a sudden, about two minutes later, they'll hear some bad news or something. Or they'll be thinking about two, two years ago when the father died. Something like that. And But they'll not be consciously thinking of that at the time but somewhere that thought must have a, um, a sense on that person there must be some element to that <laughs> that's hard I don't even know how to diagnose, diagnose that um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one isn't it though oh, like the, yeah, the right, bigger question right. is consciousness actually like a disease in the mind flip them out um, I mean this is a quote right I, I got this today and I've, it's it's been on my desk all day and I want to I wanna hear you, your make of it, right? 
And this was from a person called Tiloba. He says, Let go of what has passed. Let go of what may come. Let go of what is happening now. Don't try to figure anything out. Don't try to make anything happen. Relax. Right now and rest. That to me was a completely opposite statement from the suffering what Miguel de Amuno was going on on about. He was going on about how consciousness was this rapid thought after thought after thought after thought and it was slowly breaking him down. Whereas Tilopa basically is on the other end of the spectrum saying whatever it is, let it go. And that's what I was saying. I think he was I think he was attaching his consciousness to the thoughts. Like mm. he was overthinking the thoughts themselves. And I went I wanna go back again and what the Does he have a point though? Does it is it could it be a disease? In that aspect it could I th- be. I do. I think it can be I think anything can be a disease if you allow it to be a disease. Mm. I think depression can become a disease if you allow it. The, like the body and the mind does these things right in your life and I've noticed this I had a conversation with you know our friend James I had a conversation with him about this today about how even the body itself see if your body's like about to be sick it'll give you these slight signals and it'll tell you it'll give you warnings to tell you that you're going to be sick mm. but some people don't listen to them so or, or let them or let them feelings just run over themselves and, it, and the problem gets worse and worse and worse and then it becomes a yeah. disease within the body but the body's just giving you a signal and the, I think the mind's the same thing as well like say if someone has depression uh, the mind will it'll give you little snippets it'll like give you little snippets of things like it'll, it'll say to you things like oh it'll, it'll basically it'll make you you know what it's like it'll make you depressed about a certain area in your life and it'll make mm. you question that thing is this what right what you be doing and then a lot of people will some people will ignore it and then that problem will still be there in the back of the mind. It'll keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. The anxiety around that will keep getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. without actually attacking it initially. That's a good point, actually, Dan. That is a good point. And that's what I think he did. That's what, I, by the looks of it, is that what I know, what this slight bit of what I know of you mm-hmm. is that he had a child who died and he allowed that suffering to become him. That's a really good point. That's what I think. So he ended up becoming the disease mm-hmm. through his thoughts. And that's a really good point. I mean, I mean, one of the big main thoughts is one of the main philosophical um, statements of all time is, "I think, therefore, I am." Mm-hmm. By Descartes, Dijon, or something. Ah, it's in here actually. Descartes, Dijon, I think it's in it the book. I've never read that chapter yet, actually. But um, that that statement completely sums up everything what you just said there. Um, so I think, therefore, I am really does indicate your connection to thoughts how simple your thoughts are i mean and i heard the most two powerful words that a human being can say to say to themselves is i am because it then pinpoints you into a box it pinpoints you into what you are see or i am a gambler so you're just re re um your Reaffirming yourself. Yeah, reaffirming yourself that you are a gambler. Just say, I am a smoker. Then you are a smoker. It's like when um, when psychologists talk to someone who's trying to overcome something, say alcoholism, and they go, well, well, I want you to completely disengage from all thoughts relating to alcohol. But immediately in their mind they go, but I do love alcohol. I am, I am yeah, the, I'm the alcoholic. I am the alcoholic. <laughs> people completely they'll actually see you as the alcoholic. So they'll be like, oh, have you had a drink today? What have you done today? Have you had a drink? And so they'll keep reaffirming that. They'll keep making that issue in your mind. 
So until you switch the thought and switch your identity, then it'll never change. There's some, there is something weird about the mind, how the mind attaches itself to, to an identity. or it must be comfort. Like so, uh, Our thought it might be as well, it might be comfort, but something in the, in, in the mind wants to be attached to something. Like, I am this, I am that. Mm-hmm. Like, even all through our lives, though, it's... Uh, is it... it when, sorry to interrupt me. Is it too scary to just say, I don't know who, who or what I am? That is... To me, that seems too scary. I, I do. But what I was, was going to say on it is that even, you know, like the placebo effect. So the sense of when someone goes to a doctor and then the doctor says, like, the doctor gives the person a symptom and tells them what it is. Mm. The people, in a weird sense, become that now. So they become the vulnerable. They become sick. They've given the power, already give the power away to the doctor by going to it. I'm not saying just the doctor's a bad thing. Mm. But there's something when the doctor says to somebody that you have cancer. I mean, there's been many cases where somebody hasn't even had cancer and the doctor said that, like, they've mistakenly uh, diagnosed somebody and said you've got cancer it was actually something else and then the persons formed the, formed symptoms. the, formed the symptoms of cancer Fucking and then actually hell. formed the cancer as well not just formed the symptoms formed the tumours and the tumours developed and that's worked the opposite way yeah I know where there was a, there's an example in the, uh, Dr. Joel Spencer's book The placebo Effect where the doctor gave the, um, basically the guy had cancer and he they tried all sort of uh, sort of different ways to cure the cancer and nothing would work so this guy said the only option he's going to try he, he understood the, how the placebo effect worked mm-hmm. so he said to the guy that there's this new there's this new pill that's on the market but you're not allowed to tell anyone it's like really top secret and it will like, I promise you it will cure your cancer and your tumours will disappear within a few days or weeks <coughs> and the guy gave him the sugar pill and the guy took it and sure enough he believed that this was the like a super a super new pill uh-huh. and two weeks had passed the guy went back and all his tumours had disappeared but what's also interesting about the story as well is that later on down the line it was about two years later and the guy was obviously living a normal life he cute, all his tumours were gone and passed and there was a newspaper article with that doctor's name in and it was basically breaking the story of how that doctor had a couple of patients and he was like sort of giving this false, false information out to people mm-hmm. and telling them that this pill would cure people using the placebo effect. Bloody so the yeah. papers exposed the doctor for doing that and the guy read the paper when he was in his house and he felt like he'd been sort duped. Of duped and lied to. Bloody so hell. what happened, eventually the tumours reformed again and the guy died of cancer. Jeez Louise. So That's not only can it can you make it happen on your... Uh, can, it, can it sort of be reversed? You can also... What power... Do the opposite as well. This is what I want to know. That that man who actually managed to do that, what power did he have over his over his body? If his mind was that in sync with his body, what else could he have done? That is a true element. Like, take for example, do you think every single person on this planet has got that same power as what he has? That same connection. I do because I think we all we're all the same. I think the the book the placebo effect proves that though. This is not just like these account accounts that are not happening. Are not just on a individual basis. It's not it's it's not a sense of sense of just one or two people doing this, mm. and sort of people seeing that oh these are these are just unique. This is rare occurrences. <coughs> mm-hmm. This is like Joe Spencer's book, the first his first book anyway on the called the placebo effect, the first. 200 pages of that book are all just countless accounts of people curing themselves of mm. cancer different, m- many different ailments not just cancer loads of different things 
So I guess I do. I think everyone's got the capability to do it. It's just about mm. understanding how to do it first and foremost, and it's also understanding how powerful the, the mind. mind is and how powerful belief is. That's the ultimate form, isn't it? Belief. It is an ultimate form of just taking the steps and going, you know what? I have this power to heal myself. I have this power to overcome any. But it's like it's like anything. You can't you can't lie to yourself. You can't lie. You've got to fully you've difference. got to fully embody the belief that that yeah. you're powerful enough to cure yourself from anything. It's not just like a case of you've got to emotionally feel it, don't you? You've got to attach s- some form of emotion. You've got to attach some form of uh, external environment, internal environment. All if when they're all lined up together, so everyone is constantly outside. Sorry, all your friends and family are saying believe in you. You believe in yourself. Your your mind is actually believing it. You comp- completely reaffirm yourself that I am this. I am. I am. I am. I'm healed from cancer. Will it happen? Yeah, that's the crew. That's what we need. I don't think it's just about you like willing it on and and believing it. I think you've got to fully embody the full essence of like you. It's Mm. not just a case of like seeing it, because words don't mean anything. It's you've it's a switch in the mind. Because for me, I remember when I first before I first read that book, right, right. I wasn't really. I didn't really have the understanding, the knowledge that that my body was. I mean, when you get a cut, when your hand gets cut, and you see that from a young age. You see how fast it heals. Mm. You think, oh, this. You, you just overestimate the capability of the human body. But when you get older, you get to realize that, whoa, the human body is such an incredible machine. It will eventually heal itself. Mm. If you have a broken leg, if you have, like, I mean, I was younger now. I, I had a detached retina of when I was playing football. Mm. And um, I learned how good the human body was then. And that gives us a realization that the body can regenerate itself. Mm. And when we know that the human body now, it has. It's all, all your, everything in your body after is it t- seven years or ten years? I can't remember. It changes the figure, mm-hmm. but the whole your whole system, your cells and your bones, everything regenerates. So the body is an incredible thing, but you over, you don't really if you don't focus on it and you don't have the knowledge about how incredible the body is, mm-hmm. you're not really going to embody that belief. And that was the same for the placebo when I first read the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. I knew it was an incredible vessel, but I didn't really understand and have that knowledge of of what it can really do if you really trust in it mm. and it's not like i said you said there if you just believe in it it isn't just about believing you've got to sort of build up your force and you've got to look at people for me i looked at i read all the the books about the placebo effect i looked at other cases of people who were healing themselves i looked at wim hoff and he was healing himself from Ill, ailments like you've got, got ingested with endotoxin well. he cured himself from the endotoxin it's sort of you've got to build up your forces your knowledge like research and then sort of from there it builds a strong point and it just becomes and once you do tap into it and you feel it in your heart like you know you can do it mm-hmm. it's like it's a whole embodiment it's not just like yeah I can do it now and then just like con- trying to convince yourself you've got to really feel it mm-hmm. that's what it is and Joe Dispenza talks about that in his book that's it's definitely. a whole embodiment and everything that is definitely uh, something we all need to look into definitely so anyways what is something that's in your mind anyway so now that we tapped into a little bit of my mind we asked a question about consciousness. <laughs> yes, we asked a little question of consciousness and we go everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so one of my observed me thoughts I've had. <coughs> what is it? All right, this is, yeah, I've wrote it down. This is what I want to read out because I wrote this, I wrote this down, um, this was a couple of weeks ago, this. And I tried to formulate this question from me, one of my thoughts, so I, See if I can make sense of this. Yeah. So the question I wrote down is I wrote, as a society, have we made too many choices 
and gone in a certain direction from an individual standpoint instead of operating from a more collective point of view. So what I mean by that is that when we look around at the world, there's obviously like a lot of good things going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's also, my opinion, we're seeing around there's a lot of bad things going on. Mm -hmm. And one, one of the things for me is that things like chopping down all the forests. We know consciously when you look at that, there's a part of you that thinks that doesn't seem right. And if you had the choice now on an individual level, you would turn around and you would say, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's many different there's many different scenarios all around the world. Like the sense of um like when you see the when you see certain tribes being kicked off their lands so they can put an oil pipe through. Mm-hmm. When you see in the UK when we, we spoke to Ian Crean and he was protesting against the, the a pipeline being put in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. There's many different scenarios all around the world. You get you get me just, don't you? Mm-hmm. But it seems to be that these decisions aren't coming from a collective point of view. They come from like sort of an individual sense of greed. And it seems that the we as the people don't have a choice on their matters. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest problems is, and that's why I formulate that question, is that us as a collective aren't really being allowed to get get in, get in on these conversations and really have an imprint. Mm-hmm. And add to that as well, when we last did the podcast about the French protests, that was one of their big bigger reasons for protesting because they wanted to have that policy in place called Rick remember mm-hmm. the uh, referendum where they could actually the pu- public and the people could now speak upon them issues because they felt that in the past things l- new legislations new laws were just getting passed that weren't in favor of the people and they felt like they just wanted to have a bit of a see on it and see is this right for us mm-hmm. and i just wanted that's that's the question well they, so, you know what right this is actually a really good quote He's talking about the philosophy of history right now, and this is a great quote here that will probably, probably like reinfer, re um, reimburse on what you're saying here. Those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So if you're just willing to let other people take control of like huge decisions in the government, in life, in existence, basically telling you how to live, what to do, what to think, what to feel. Mm-hmm. Then you're, then that process is going to be repeated through history. So you have to be the one who stands up for your moment, moment in time where you actually think, you know what, I can make a change. This is something I'm standing up against, and it's only that one little switch in the brain, like you said, it'll only take one pipeline too many that someone will go, you know what, that is it. Or like the man who stood in front of the tank in China, who to stop the um, stop the audacity going on over there. He put his hand up against a tank and he was stopping the tank. How much courage and bravery does one man have to do? Well, to be honest, not not much. Because it's the switch. As soon as you go, now I've had enough. It doesn't matter about bravery. It doesn't matter about courage. It's because you've made the decision that that is you. That is your. That is you right there. I just keep worrying though how... Because, I mean, we are looking around the world and you see so many great things going on. But I just worry about... How many pipelines is it going to take? How many times is it for them going to take for them pipelines to burst and then like go in the ocean and kill mm. all the sea life, which it does, or pollute all the water that we're drinking? I just don't know. I just I just keep worrying that because there was a, there's a scenario about a guy in a, this was in the UK, and a guy basically what they were trying to do is it was like sort of a forest land, mm-hmm. and the plans were for the local government were to go in there and they were going to build a, a new shopping centre. They're mm-hmm. going to build shopping centre and houses on this land. 
and the guy didn't want them to do it because he said that obviously he was just sick and he wanted to have make a stand just like you were saying you can do it mm-hmm. and he's basically sort of uh, he made a stand and he uh, slept in a tree for um, 10 years it was and it took 10 years of him to try and to try and stop this and after 10 years they eventually some law got bypassed or something someone will have to look into this but some law got changed so that the police could actually go in now and take him away from it Jeez. so on a political level it took them 10 years to sort of switch the system so then they could go in and arrest him and then after 10 years of him protesting there's now a soup, like a shopping centre now built there Jeez, after he worked so long for them 10 years to try and do it so do you think them 10 years were wasted I don't think they were ever 10, them 10 years exactly, wasted I don't because that's, that message still rings through but it's just disappointing when you see people doing something so good mm-hmm. and it still gets backlashed in the face I know this sometimes is just part of the it's part of the game to make people stronger and make people next time think about how they can do it better, mm-hmm. but it's still just very disappointing. It's it's like because I remember, can you remember the Dakota Pipeline when mm-hmm. that was a big thing and it got loads of political issues and a lot of big public figures actually went themselves there to, to like stop that. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because at the same time as that was going on and there was so much public opinion on there and, and it did stop the pipeline getting put in mm-hmm. there was pipelines being put in, in in other countries like Palestine where k- children were getting pulled out of the houses and there was pipelines getting put in all o- in all over different parts of the world so that you win in one battle and then three battles over here are popping up yeah it's just when is this like it, it just seems to be when is this madness going to stop it's a, ultimately it's about the impact that you can make on the people that's what it ultimately comes down to. One of the biggest examples is where change can occur. Is there was a monk, uh, sorry, a temple in um, I can't remember where, but they were getting harassed by the government, and nobody really cared. Literally, nobody cared. So these monks decided to do a protest. Again, who's going to care? They ask a photographer to come. They ask loads of photographers to come, and only one come to this uh, protest right and so what happened was he sat down he got into his meditative state poured petrol on him set him alight didn't scream once the world took notice Uh, the government stopped I remember that story and that is the impact what someone has to make (coughs) does it have to be that extreme does it have to be something like them lines to make a change I think that's the thing I mean a lot of people say that it shouldn't be like a I mean I don't know what the solution is I don't know I really don't know what it no, is 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 the solution just like people plugging away and waking up and waking their friends up and then someone else tells somebody they educate themselves and then people do fight their different fights because there's loads of different fights going on in the world you've got fights for like for health you've got fights for education you've got fights for political issues you've got fights for sort of people cutting down trees like whatever it is there's loads of different fights going mm-hmm. all over is is it going to be enough? I don't. I just don't know. Not at the minute. I don't think so. Uh, I think you're right. I think. I I'm think just trying to be honest. It's just things when you you know when you're walking around your daily life. What happens? Trying to be so positive. I'm thinking, like I do. I want. You do want good things to emerge in the world. And you mm. are. I'm looking around. I'm seeing so many great people waking up and asking questions about consciousness. But on the other side, you just keep seeing more and more things pop up where things are being suppressed and it's stopped. Not, it's not just. Sup- the suppression uh, basically you're kind of right it is the suppression but it's the suppression of the human mind the human capability we're actually engrossed more in television shows than we are making a change in the world this is the terrifying outlook we have 
We literally just want to go to work, come home, watch TV, put our feet up and repeat the same action day in and day out until we die. That is the majority of the the world and unfortunately right now the Western civilization have come to this lazy, ridiculous... I mean, oh, here's, but, here's an example. But, I think, but you, do, you, do you as well though, I know you're just speaking in general, but do you feel that upon yourself as well? Because I feel that, sometimes I feel that on, on myself. Oh, there is like a I point. know I am doing good stuff as well, but at the same time I'm lazy in other areas. And like, what point. is that laziness? You know what I mean? Like, I could be doing so well in, in, in so many different areas. Like I could be recycling everything. I could be doing this, doing that. But then at the same time, I'll be like, what's the word? Hypocritical. And I'll like be driving a car down the road. Yeah. It's feeding the same system that's feeding the things to cut down the trees. And things like that. Well, We're what? sitting on a couch now. It's made out of wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I'd say to that though, Dan, is you gave me the um, point before when I asked you the question when we used to do um, Down the Rabbit Hole check that out on youtube um when we used to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we early stages of life um but i asked you the question because i read this in the compound effect i said if i notice some um say rubbish on the floor and i don't pick it up how does that change my thoughts and that was a good point it was a really good interesting question you gives a really good answer yeah, i know what i said yeah and it's stuck with us yeah tell us man i love it i think what i said to you was that you've got to choose your battles wisely exactly you've got to choose yeah. your battles wisely and that's the exact same advice i'm going to give you now choose your battles wisely because the difference you can make in one area is going to be significantly larger than you'll make in another and if you keep on plugging away on like what you believe is going to i mean us doing this podcast it may take hours of our time up and but how many people is it going to affect? Yeah, it's a battle it, worth it, isn't it? See if it affected one person's life to go, you know what? Wow, I'm going to make a change. This is what I believe in. And I've found actually something that I was scared of at first, but now I'm going to engage in it. And it, and it so happens to be um, taking on the oil industry. That's what I'm going to go for. And it just takes one conversation like this to do it. And that makes all them hours, hundreds, thousands of hours we've done this, make it worth it. Just one person. A question I had as well from uh, that the first question I asked. I said it. I asked the question like, "Is it because is all this due because ideas like see because when we look around right the world, mm. it seems to be that ideas are constantly being shoved down our throats. So I'm not saying this is an excuse, mm. but do you think a reason why people just accept it is because I know you you diagnose that people are. There's so many things going on in people's individual lives. People are trying to figure out their own lives. Mm-hmm. But is do you think it's because ideas are being shoved down our throats? Because that's what I, that was one of my thoughts. Is that is it too many ideas? Is that what you mean? Too many ideas on many different topics, and people don't know where to start. That's a really good point, man. That's a really good point. I mean, because how do you like you said you've got to choose your battles wisely? Wisely, but how do you know what battles to choose wisely? This is this is something that that I've actually given a little bit of thought to, because, right, you know, one thing I absolutely hate and despise is the paedophilia in, in the church, yeah, and I absolutely despise that concept so bad. I hate it. I hate it. Where else? But do I hate it enough to physically take on that system? That's the that's the real point. I mean, I can talk about it, I can mention it, but I know that there's other key areas where I can address, where I can make more of a bigger impact. And I know, I've already seen a lot of the research being done now, that a lot of the exposure is getting done by a lot of lot of clinical people 
And if I can help that out any way possible, I would. And if, but I also know that there is work getting done there. So it might not be your fight, just like the oil industry. Say yours is the oil industry, and I had no really concern about. It. Say it, that was it. I know that deep down, there's other people still putting the graft in in that aspect, just like we're putting the graft yeah. in on this podcast. I know, getting that, getting the awareness. I know, I know, I, know I agree, I agree with you as well. But I'm just thinking that how many people does it take to actually really make a difference? Because see, if there's only maybe a thousand people concerned about oil, mm-hmm. is that enough? Like, does it does it take does it take the scenario in France where millions and millions of people are on the street and protesting? But even then, we've never heard about anything like that for ages. We haven't heard anything about the French Revolution, even though it's still at its heightened state. And every single night, there is people protesting on the streets. I'm sure it was last Saturday or something like that. There was like two million people on the streets. You just have to look at the, the excess of um, the excess of the war in Vietnam. I mean, the protest there. That was a generation standing up for it. They had enough from World War Two, then to be told that they're going to into fight in um, to stop um, the North Viet Cong in Vietnam. They think well, enough's enough. Enough, uh, enough of war. They've went through the most turbulent times of life I mean, existence. Just give us a break. They had, they literally had their backs broke on the aspect. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. The, the back, the Vietnam War, and they just completely processed them the march on washington was huge it opened opened the doorway for people like martin luther king for black rights activists and everyone was pushing it muhammad ali do you think it would be as big as it was now if it was from for the his vietnam stand i know it wasn't it's funny though because even then though them two characters were at the time martin luther king and muhammad ali they had obviously they were standing up for the people and they didn't want to sort of just go along with the establishment and they were suppressed in a way. Martin mm-hmm. Luther King arguably was killed in an assassination, and Muhammad Ali was sort of sent to prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but the st- but the message it. the message that Martin Luther King left over his death is much bigger than his death. I know. So was Muhammad Ali, and that's. But even but it's what is I know I know I, can't, I know honestly I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I really do know what you're saying. I feel it. I do feel it. I do feel that how. The domino effect it is, how you can, one domino falls and then all the rest of the dominoes eventually do scatter. Mm-hmm. But it's just still going on. I mean, I wrote down these few, because this was, these were a couple that I came across that's been recently, uh, like sort of uh, in terms of like political infr- infringement of knowledge on mm-hmm. the planet. And this one's an interesting one. I, I can't pronounce the name, but you know when I went to Malta a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. the, I was walking through the streets of uh, me and town in there. I think it was Medina. And there was like a sort of a statue where someone had obviously like um like you know where someone dies and they, they put flowers and things like that mm-hmm. to see the con what's the word so pay the respect sort yeah, of thing yeah. and there was like a sort of a little piece of paper on the board and it said this lady's late name it said in memory of I can't say this Daphne Gazizia but it, I'll read it out so it's D E P H N E G E I Z I E. If anyone wants Daphne to look her up, Daphne, it might be Daphne Gaziza. Mm. It's, it's a hard name to pronounce anyway. And I started doing a little bit of research into her and finding out why, what, what's going on with this scenario because it said her name and then it said research. It actually said underneath research this name. This lady was a journalist who was exposing political people high up. Whoa. So I started looking into her and actually what what the story suggests is that she was actually killed in a car bombing. And she was a journalist, and she was exposing high up people, high up politicians in Malta on corruption. 
going around the world. Yeah. And obviously she, she got a uh, car. She was involved in the car. Like a, a car blew up with a car bomb. So to me that's not a coincidence. Obviously you can't see it is. But it's, mm. a, it's not a coincidence to me. And then there was another guy who just recently. Actually I'll leave that one because there's a good talking point on that. But there's an Indian kid who I just shared now on Facebook. And he was um, he was a child slave for like oh, ten wow. years in India, and anyway, what he ha- this was very recent. This and it was like a few years later now, like years on since he got himself, he freed himself because he escaped. And what happened to him? He basically started educating himself on law, and he became a sort of a politician and tried to stop slavery for the past. Like for the and he was doing a lot of good work because obviously yeah. he was because with him being previously been a child slave obviously mm-hmm. had a lot of sort of what's the word sort of like power behind him because obviously public opinion was n- not any situation before and with him being like a very young child as well it was very sort of like the media were lapsing on it and thinking like this is so good we don't want to see this in the country mm-hmm. and he was also killed as well jeez Louise, man and, and they tried to and they tried to say that it was a local farmer that killed him scary man isn't and then it? there's a also as well this was a very recent a lady called Dr. Judy Judy, and she's just been arrested and she's, I think she's still in prison now but she was exposing um, retroviruses and, and vaccinations in America mm. and exposing how some vaccinations that were given to the American people were bad and now she's been put in prison and obviously mm. everyone knows this one Edward Snowden mm. he's the main guy who was exposing sort of the um, how the government were looking into people yeah and all the information that was being exposed without their well you got to look at like people like Julian Assange who's still in the still in the consulate of I can't remember which one it is but he's in one of the consulates and I think it's Kenya I think off the top of my head um, he's been kept off he's not allowed to even like leave his room nearly now he's he's really getting isolated as soon as he leaves there he's going to get arrested I mean it's just terrifying and that's on charges that might not have even happened. I think it was sexual assault on two women, but I don't think from you know you never know what happened. But people who were exposing these like level of corruption, they do get silenced. It's just happened. It, it's happened. It's happened all over time. John F. And Kennedy. It's, it's disappointing. I mean, there was to Lincoln freeing the slaves. There was always. Some backlash to um, someone doing good. Some suppression. I mean, even uh, the question I keep asking myself all the time, and I can't really just rattle any any off. Well, I might do because it's our podcast, so I might. <laughs> but um, I keep asking myself how many, like, not just people being suppressed and ideas being suppressed, but how many sort of on a practical level, how many inventions have been suppressed? No, oh, I know. Like there was a, a documentary I watched about a few years ago about the a car that could run on water. Oh, wow. And that technology was suppressed. I heard that before. And I'm surely as well. I seen a post as well the other day. It was a, 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 a quite a good blog post actually, and it was talking about how in the nineteen, I think it was nineteen sixty five, there was actually electrical car. Someone developed a, an inventor developed an electric car, and somebody actually someone in one of the in the, one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the sort of statements in the comments said this car actually can um can last on on electrical charge longer than Tesla's car can. <laughs> really bloody yeah <laughs> but it's fascinating to think though if that's true or not how many how many inventions out there have been suppressed I mean we we, we, we bound to know it like in the name of political infringement and, and greed how many people are going to stop certain things exactly. from coming in play because in the name of greed the mind the mind has been so powerful I mean the billions and billions and billions of people who have had access to this incredible mind 
how on earth have we not already figured out everything? Know what I mean? Like we are so so smart. We we constantly discredit ourselves. So like, oh, look at us do this and that stupid shit. Forget about that. Forget and just think about all these great minds who've lived over the years and have exposed so much, exposed us to information like Tesla, Einstein. God, the list is endless of all the incredible people out there. Tesla was a really incredible guy. I would love to see what... I'd love to have him on the podcast one yeah, day. <laughs> but I would love to actually see what he could have done if mm. he sort of... If he did... I mean, because he was somebody who was suppressed, wasn't he? We know yeah, his technology yeah, was suppressed. Like, I would love to see what he could do. I mean, the famous one that everyone talks about was that he wanted to give free energy to everyone. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, whether that's true or not, I mean, if it was, you could definitely see he was an intelligent guy. And if you look into his documentary's life, which I've I've read, I've read his documentary about his life, really fascinating guy. Yeah, and, uh, I watched the documentary. To, to me, he definitely, to me, he definitely seemed like somebody who was for the people and wasn't against. He wasn't somebody who was. I don't even think he was somebody who was driven by money. He, he was, was just, quite, yeah. He, he had nothing really. In, like even when he was in, when he was in the earlier stage of an inventor, um, become being an inventor, he was still like. He was still getting suppressed, really. His ideas were still getting suppressed, laughed at, mocked. Tried to bankrupt him, tried to do loads of stuff to um, silence him. And we know that, obviously, I think it was a Thomas Edison stole a lot of his ideas as well. And obviously he took the credit for a lot of his stuff. But it would be meant to see what he actually could do. Mm. I mean, he could, imagine if... it's That's one thing, if all these minds around the time, what would the... What, you can't, I know you can't just always look back, but it's just interesting to think of how how if Tesla was allowed to have his inventions what would the world look like what would be the impact of his inventions on in terms of like the economy mm. in terms of of the planet so sustainability is a big one obviously mm. a lot of his ideas I think would have helped sustainability but another guy as well I want to talk about um, this was another guy who was having this is very recent as, recent as well I would definitely tell people to check this out I don't know if you've seen this but it's a that? guy called Eli Priest <coughs> alright and he had a live video the other day on Facebook and um, basically, he's a. He was. I'm not too sure on his backstory. I don't he, know who he is to be honest. But he's so a guy. He's a. He's a, a man who basically has a. He had a bit of high access to sort of higher up people mm-hmm. in Australia in terms of the government. And he was basically just to break it down. He was exposing a cocaine cocaine ring. Like people were giving backhanders and stuff like that. And it got to a point where he said that he had this knowledge for a while, quite a while, and he built like in, a lot, as he was getting more and more information because he was mixing with higher people. Yeah, he was like make, uh, making records of all this information, and it got to a point where he couldn't hold this any longer, and he felt like it was in his right to sort of expose this for the Australian people. Yeah, and he's put all this information forward. Is he still alive, by the way? He's still currently alive. <laughs> We're still currently alive after I speak about this. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, anyway, what happened was he did a live video the other day, which I thought's interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, but have you seen where when people's been making statements on social media about certain political parties? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the like the 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 well? In what happened in his case, somebody some uh, like sort of FBI agents came to his door. Really? Have you have you not seen no, that no. lately? There was a woman in America that happened to as well, and she live feeded on her Facebook as well. No. So expect a call at your door. Oh no, not <laughs> again. <laughs> not again <laughs> but uh, yeah so he had a the live video was really interesting these two guys come to the door and there was and they basically on the video like putting across to him that saying why they're at his door for is because he's given the, like the, the said things like you're very you're very large on social media mm-hmm. and you're talking about certain areas and certain things oh, 
so that's that's crazy to see that how how to the, to what extent is this going to go to like is the first step them just coming knocking on your door and saying giving you a little hush hush and saying now 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 be a be a good boy yeah well there's definitely that sometimes you don't even get a a warning I mean, itself even I mean. on our next podcast we could, by then we might just instead of talking about these sort of far out stuff we might be talking about da- uh, imagine that might be going just going back and asking talking talking about daisies and plants outside in the house uh, <laughs> the, the, the flower the podcast first we get is like asking if um, a, f- a flower can think <laughs> <laughs> a flower think <laughs> uh, oh, imagine that though yeah but we'll be rich because they'll sell out first of all won't we <laughs> <laughs> no no definitely not um, right there's a lot to take from that actually to be honest You'll have to check that video out, though. Yeah, well, actually, that was a good one. That was definitely a good one, man. I'm actually intrigued to see, like, to see where we we are going to develop in like ten, fifteen years' time in the aspect of people standing up for rights, people standing up for for like society. Are we going to get to a point where we can actually get that? Mm. Are we going to get to the point where more and more people are going to be like Snowden? They're going to be like Eli Purst where they're exposing like cannabis rings and stuff like that I mean sorry no, um, cocaine. cocaine rings uh, yeah. I mean these are really people who are pushing the boundaries of like not just life but their own existence totally putting their own lives at risk exactly. putting their own the families e- everything yeah they're putting their families at risk for this knowledge and what does it take to, what does it really take to do that I mean because everyone says that I would do it but when you're in that position like will you really do it that's you, the question would you really really surrender your ideals for life your existence I know exactly man that is for truth it's too easy to say yeah I would to be honest I'd probably be disingenuous if I said you know what yeah I would defend my right for us for this that and the other and they'd be like he's a gun to your head it's interesting though when they come knocking yeah exactly when they come knocking on your door and you've got your family I mean that's what's it's in an essence as well though like I've said with the people like Martin Luther King John F. Kennedy Bobby Kennedy uh, Abe Lincoln the people who stood up for something in life have ultimately died but their message remains and that's what's beautiful about it there is the essence of like the ego is telling you yeah stay stay just surrender just say yeah no problem guys no problem I'll turn off the podcast and or I'll turn I'll stop exactly what I'm doing right now and stop people like Bobby Kennedy John F. Kennedy Abe Lincoln didn't do that they didn't stop with the, what they're doing they marched on in the face of evil they stood up for what's right in their hearts they died but they died with the knowing of like what they did was right if you die and you have the knowing of say in your deathbed at 82 and felt like you could have made a difference at the age of 30 then that's a big, big decision. If you can live with that, that's what you need to ask yourself. Can I live with that? Did you, Did you see um, that girl, <clears> the <throat> the girl from is it from she's from Sweden or something? You not seen the girl who's basically she said she's not going to go to school anymore until till um till we start putting more implicate put more start putting some better things in practice for s- sustainability on the planet. Do you oh. not see it? No, no. I, I'm not. Sh- Actually, is this on our Facebook page? It's been on our Facebook page as well, but uh, I haven't looked into it fully. But I've got a certain gist of it. And it's basically a young girl who, she was in school one day, and she basically turned around and says that she's not going to go to school anymore. What's the point of have of me putting all this time in education when I won't have an education? Mm. 
when the planet dies when she the pl- a point man yeah she has a so point she's she was, what happened is or she started protesting and just not she wouldn't go to school and she started standing on the streets in some country i can't remember what it was like iceland or sweden can't remember what country it is now but she was standing on the streets and then eventually more of her peers and friends started coming out on the streets and now there's a huge movement where she's really at the front end of this political movement she's really what trying to push sustainability and it's like a massive group of kids really it's really interesting you should look at that check that it is out. fascinating that man that is fascinating you just speak so much sense when you listen to her like a, like a young girl I mean I think she's only 13 years old or 14 years old you know she what though so much, she speaks more sense than the politicians exactly because politicians speak in riddles whereas a young woman I'm not going to say a girl because she's obviously a woman enough to make her own decisions in life where a young woman can actually decide and just ask a simple question like why should I go to school if I'm being punished for life if I'm not being educated properly, if I'm not going to make any difference, why should I go to school? And it makes you think, hell yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Why aren't, why, why you're right? You're exactly right. They can't argue with that. They can't argue with rational, the simple, basic foundational question. That's simple. It sometimes just takes a kid to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I think or, that's not or a monk setting himself yeah. on fire just take something completely out of the ordinary yeah I'm doing fancy putting petrol on myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not that aspect like <laughs> I'll turn the podcast off before that like <laughs> <laughs> shut down last episode uh, I, I, you got any observing thoughts I've got a I've got one more um, documentary I've been watching that has my um, to be <laughs> honest it's just basically um diving deep into philosophy and stuff like that I've been fascinated with it I mean something that I've, I've been in it interested in a lot and he's actually been on the forefront of my mind as much as Miguel Delamuno he's called um, Hegel the um, the German philosopher and he argues that a lot of he states that a lot of history right now is basically to be honest, I'm butchering it because I'm I'm just saying off the cuff now. Um, I'm he basically argues that we look back at history and we pity the people in history for their lack of this, that, and the other. But ultimately, they have the same understanding of existence as we do now, except obviously we are much more technologically advanced. But he says argues that they know just as much as we did. Not just argu- not just more, but arguably just as much. In terms of the biggest questions about reality, uh, yeah, about the biggest questions in reality, like and the unanswerable sort of the at the minute they're unanswerable questions, like mm-hmm. what happens when we die, and for us to where we were before them, we were born, and for us to discredit them and say they were primitive, which was his biggest argument. To say they were primitive is the biggest injustice to come to humanity. To say that past civilizations, past minds were were primitive yeah. when they clearly weren't so to say people like in the Egyptians were primitive they weren't and so we basically wonder how they did all this technology I'm going on ramble here I know what you mean I'm, but like what you're, I think what you're trying to mean from that book because that, that book's probably not referring to like ancient Egyptians it probably just goes to the point of like in which in history I don't, I don't, I don't think this is good, this is um, a true statement. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of book philosopher books talk about, they only go, they only talk about people like go far as back as Socrates mm-hmm. and people like that, like the Greek philosophers. But they're going back. To be honest, that's a good point because you can go back to tribes in the ancient hunter-gatherers. No, they're also thinking, asking the same questions. Yeah, they weren't just basically going, uh, what, uh. Yeah, they weren't. They were 
far more advanced in the mind human power human potential human intelligence human knowledge has surpassed the entirety of existence on this planet and they didn't do that by luck they did that by pure intelligent intellect i mean and to say that we were not is really disingenuous to every single culture far beyond that the romans the egyptians the greeks the ancient chinese far beyond that like you said in the primitive tribes they were asking the deep meaningful questions and that's what's beautiful when you study stuff like archaeology and you see history in, on the side of um, tombs and in cave paintings because that is beautiful knowledge there ready for us to uncover I, I, I'd heard I like that I heard a good quote the other day as well it said judge a man by his, by his questions not his answers mm, that's a really you know good what I mean that's a good one but when you were saying there about the ancient cultures I mean I've it's this is a big fascination area for me it always has been I've always been fascinated by sort of pre-modern man and woman like what what were their minds really like I've played full to the aspect of thinking that they were more primitive yeah for a long time but the thing is is, is that how what do you because I think the one question I keep asking myself is is that how would you define them as primitive like what would be what would be the defining thing to class them as primitive right exactly. because a lot of people think that because we have cars and we have a mobile phone in our pocket that we're more Hegel based it all on technology thought, yeah we, we based it all on technology based the whole premise of telling someone they're primitive because of technology because of technology but looking back is their way of life more sustainable than ours mm-hmm. bigger real questions for me yes it was no. they were more in touch with the land there's one I can't really think of any of us on the spot now but I bet there's they had more of a community aspect more of a community aspect mm-hmm. healthier yeah more natural foods whatever's whatever they want there's about to be some others there's be some more like I said more deep emotional connection with each other less distractions there's, there's many arguments there anyway. is honestly could argue about all this. Some, yeah we could but a question I keep asking myself on it is that how are we are we really that different from them are that's we what Hegel, added, are we just added something to ourselves that's that what Hegel was we are? getting on about he says they're no different from not. us basically we're not and to say that we are is the most disingenuous crime to humanity because we're not we are them just now just we have a screen in front of our face yeah. I keep I keep asking myself, you know, how because we uh, like sort of archaeologists and mainstream media always put these numbers on how old civilization is, mm. and we know that now, like more and more evidence is coming forward now, with uh, things are getting older and older, older and older all the time. And I keep asking the question, like, how far is this going to go back? And this is a big this is a big mm. one for me. Now, sometimes I keep thinking because everyone says oh, don't worry about the past and all that it's, it's just the future's come we're going to become this race and stuff like that mm. but I keep saying to myself can we really how do we know really who we truly are if we don't know our past like who we truly are mm-hmm. and a lot of people are uncovering that but I just think that's for some reason I just I feel that we're a lot we've we've been here for a lot longer than we, than we believe to be honest Dan, I, you know what I'm going to tell you this right now I think the people in the past in the ancient tribes at the beginning of time asking the very same questions mm-hmm. they were saying like who was before us I think it was so much much more bigger than before us well, do you know and, and it's so simple to say like well they would have believed in the gods they would have said the god created them and they were the first real nah they wouldn't have they were still questioning reality they were still questioning existence they were still questioning the history of their time probably it's just like in our society now where I mean 
we mean you because we're mean just you them. don't look to, to really look to, to regard we obviously we're asking bigger questions out of the box mm-hmm. but then there's people who do look still in society now who look towards a god exactly so maybe that could have been going on in, in them times as well it certainly was and that's what Hegel was promo- was advocating that we were actually thought like them I mean we don't know how this how long this cycle of life been going on I mean how how long does how long does material how long does information actually last through society through generations yeah, because I mean you can go back to the Egyptians you can see pyramids and stuff like that and they've lasted a long time yeah. only, only because they built they decided that time period to build things in stone but how f- what was before them because even if you look at like even the Egyptians and um, the Mayans and people like that they all say that they got the knowledge from someone else they mm-hmm. got the knowledge from someone else There's, the tradition no, always I, states I, that I'm that knowledge was passed down by someone else how far is it going to go we talked about Andrew Collins he's talking about the Denisovians and seeing how they were an advanced race I think I might butcher this we'll have to look into this make sure but yeah, I think he said was he said 200,000 200, years old advanced civilization. yeah man and uh, there's a lot of evidence for that as well and what what, what was before them because it just keeps getting older and older all the time new information is coming forward and it always shows that we learn from past civilizations we learn from this from that from our ancestors then it goes to show how powerful their ancestors were I keep thinking you know right that um so we're sitting here now we're putting this information out there I keep thinking that <clears throat> is there going to be a time where a civilization in say like I don't know 2,000 years is mm. going to be like trying to put piece together and question what we were doing like see if something happens to Probably the planet are. like see an, ast- uh, an asteroid hits the planet or something mm-hmm. like how long does it take for to knowledge to or, or stories to blend out the system see because see like if someone we had a great civilization now we're talking about this mm-hmm. something happens to the planet how long does it take for that that knowing of that civilization to blend out of civilization because see if the population goes down to I don't know an asteroid hits the planet and there's only a few survivors because I know who's surviving if that happens it's mm-hmm. going to be the hunter gatherers who are left on the plains of Africa and there's not many left or the one who found the guns there may be a couple of thousand <laughs> yeah, yeah the one who finds the guns there may be a couple of thousand people left on the plains of Africa mm. and just imagine this is just a scenario and they are the ones who who keep the, who tell the stories of civilization and they pass it on to their grandchildren uh, and they pa- then they pass it on to their children their children their children how long before people are having arguments and debates about did we really have iPhones I know just like have you heard did the, they have do you hear about that thing in uh, Egypt the Baghdad battery that they found in the grip uh, I've the heard kings, that I think it was in the king's actually. chamber yeah, yeah. arguing about how it was a, a technology mm-hmm. like somebody it'll be the same scenario somebody will like find a mobile phone or they'll find this podcast mic and they'll be like what was this for it's <laughs> a sexual device <laughs> a sexual <laughs> device <laughs> like someone's arguing it's a sexual device another person's arguing that it's a um, <laughs> what so, like some form of like cleaning utensil or something like some form of transmitter that sends uh, consciousness around the planet <laughs> no the, it no, actually w- does the weed it does that <laughs> <laughs> they, would, they would probably think like uh, they'll probably still be thinking we're pr- very primitive species they're probably like so when we're talking to like we can interact with people all around the world instantaneously so from like UK to Australia <laughs> instantaneously react like that they'll be thinking they never had that technology. Nowhere. Yeah. Well, Nowhere did they have that. Of course. And well, we the, think the same. I know we'd, we'd think the same about the Egyptians, that they didn't have the ability to, to transmit knowledge across the, across the planet. But however, if you look at the structures, all the structures around the world are very similar. But a question, a, that. But a question I have is that 
let's paint just paint a scenario now where we disappear everyone on the face of the planet disappears mm-hmm. like something happens to the planet a disease or an asteroid like i said before and then we completely disappear what happens to the information about us what happens to the the retaining of the knowledge of our civilization because i don't know I, I would, don't what know. would what would let's have a conversation what would last what would really last because nature stone nature always takes everything back so what st- stone things are we built <laughs> that leave a mark on our culture nothing really because what, what we build things we build everything in plastic and iron <laughs> <laughs> definitely brick um, and it wouldn't last nah get sent back to the sands of time it would then the only things probably that would still be la- left would maybe be the pyramids and <laughs> then the civilization would say <laughs> they would make they would, they would, we wouldn't be un, unforgettable would, would, would no one would even know us they said if human beings cease to exist on this planet for 10,000 years you'll never see, you'll never there'll be no indication of life ever being here I keep thinking what if that how many uh, imagine if that's happened many different I know it's just putting it out there but imagine it's happened in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times civilization gets to a point we have a good estimate and how something happens and goes back we have a good estimation on how the world is we estimate it to be millions and millions and millions of years old i think it's 63 million years old or something like that i might be way off on that but, but you, you know what i mean they, they put it they put, fig, they put figures out there which yeah you put means nothing out there. really and uh how long was it really but how many like civilizations have been brought up in that time in the time of like since life has been brought to earth how many civilizations of man have have happened well, here's something. How many, how many planets are out there? Could this? This is out there. Let's 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 do an observer on thoughts. Let's let's uh, put this out there a little bit, right? This is a thought that I've had. This is this is an observer on thought. This is what we do, right? And a thought that I've had. What if we've come from other planets as well? Mm-hmm. So, like, see, see that. I mean, we just did a podcast which is due to come out. Panspermia. Mm-hmm. Not sperm in your pants, but uh, panspermia <laughs> is a theory about that life on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the theory of plant panspermia is that life on Earth was seeded by the cosmos. So bacteria came to this planet, microbes came, mm-hmm. and created life on this planet. Yeah. And then obviously the theory within panspermia as well, which is a spin-off, is that life was created by intelligent design. And what that means is, is that the potential that an alien race or a, or even our future, our past selves mm-hmm. could have spread and sent bacteria out in the universe microbes to create yeah. life on another planet very then, very plausible so th- that's a scenario maybe that could have happened imagine i'm just putting it out there that's that not far life could have came to this planet that we could have our past selves could have been dying off on another planet and the only way was to spread our human genome to another part of the galaxy mm-hmm. another sense is that our planet was dying out and we had to find another habitable planet mm-hmm. so we came to earth Mm-hmm. The Earth still in its earliest stage. What, what if? My, I mean, um, there's there's a uh, there's theories out there. There's conspiracies. I don't know if it's true or not, but let's just talk about it. I heard a theory once about uh, Mars. How, when the first pictures of Mars came out, mm-hmm. they were finding structures on Mars, like the have you seen? Uh, we've talked like about the face this before. On Mars the face on Mars. Yeah, yeah. And they were finding other uh, structures on Mars. Imagine if we'd actually come from Mars. So like we a lot of Mars died out and we came over to Earth. Yeah, a lot of people have argued that aspect as well, that we come from Mars and it's... That is a... And now we're going back to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, man, it's fascinating, brother. 
I mean, like, look at the the concept of there's um for every grain of sand on the beach, there's three more planets. Like, of all the beaches in the world, there's three more po- planets than the grain of sand on each of them. Well, supposedly they say oh, when you oh, look, fucking well, mad, mad is that? Well, see when you, when you look at the stars at night, the spo- supposedly like every single star that you see has got a sun. They they were suns. They got, sorry, got a solar system. Oh, solar, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. That's, that's in, it's just mind blown, man. It's absolutely mind blown. That's why I keep thinking that we cannot be, we cannot just be the only ones. I really do. I really, I have seen evidence suggest that we are being, well, that we're not. Mm-hmm. But I can't fully say that when when we we are there is more life in this solar system. But I just kind of fathom my head around why there wouldn't be, why there isn't other. Other, other life forms just very similar to me and you now somewhere else having their own Arthur doing C- their own podcast Arthur C. Clarke said it best he said there are two possibilities in, of li- life in this universe he says and both are equally terrifying Yeah, either there is or there isn't and they are both equally terrifying um, I, I watched uh, one of my observed me thoughts I want to touch on this slightly yeah, I told you about. I don't know if you watched this. You watched the Bob Lazar documentary. No, I haven't actually done. No, no. Really fascinating. That. Uh, it's Who is Bob Lazar again? So for Bob a bit, Lazar bit of context. Basically, uh, I'll do that. So Bob Lazar is basically a guy who, supposedly, or in my opinion, definitely did, <laughs> worked in Area Fifty One. Oh wow! And he was responsible for back engineering UFO technology. Whoa! And I think, I mean, I'm never going to do his message in his work justice. I mean, I don't need to. We don't give anyone's work justice, <laughs> really. Like, <do> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I think everyone should... Rec- I would recommend checking out this new documentary that was out there. That's just come out. And it's basically... Just type in Bob Lazar, new documentary, 2018 or 19, it'll come up. It'll come up. And it's basically just a great insight in the, in the man himself mm-hmm. and what he stands for. But basically, he was a guy, supposedly, who worked in Area 51, back-engineered UFO technology. Mm. <clears throat> Very intelligent guy, engineering background. And at that time, it was in it was when it was in nineteen eighty nine when we weren't born. I was born. You were born. I wasn't. Nineteen eighty nine. That he first came out and had to sort of bring this information to the public because what his plan was was he felt that this information needed. He felt that that by the government hiding these secret projects that was doing a disservice to the people just like we were talking about before mm-hmm. people feel that this information needs to be put out there so they feel that they've got to put it on themselves and they've got to be the sort of the warrior mm-hmm. that gives the information to the public he felt the same thing but he put out this information initially in a way where he didn't want his face to be what's the word his face to be matched with the information like Banksy sort of thing yeah but what he did is he the the media co- companies went at the time on the news channels the blacked out his face and, and changed his voice oh really but what happened was is he ha- eventually he had to sort of publicly expose himself because he started getting his life threatened really and Jeez. what happened is there's a couple of accounts where he had his car he, he was run off the road and stuff like that his whole bank account and everything was all his money was seized and things like that and the obviously Area Fifty One came out and made a statement saying that this guy's a liar. He's never ever worked here in Area Fifty One, mm. but he had he had evidence. He had documentation of Didn't his he of like his tax slips, pay slips, and ah. tax codes and stuff like that. And he had all the correct information telling the people of what plane you get on to actually go to Area Fifty One. He had man. inside information that 
if you just watch the documentary I mean it's not just off the documentary I've knew about this for years and years because this is a big guy that makes me think that something is going on in terms mm. of UFOs and he was exposing so much stuff I'm trying to think of what else to speak about on him um, what else we doing but what was interesting in this documentary is um, he basically so he's a guy he's somebody who he doesn't really like the limelight he's never been somebody like if you look out if you go out there you'll not find much information on him you'll not find many interviews or documentaries mm-hmm. initially you'll find all the, the original ones he did where he had to expose this information to protect himself but this new documentary, I think it's been his first talk he's done, and I think in is it fifteen years? I think it's the first time he spoke out since. Jeez. So he's obviously he's just a guy living his life now, and he's still an intelligent guy. You just got to watch a documentary to see that podcast guest, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that myself actually. But he, like I said, he's he's a guy who's not really he's not really wanting to do media stuff. Mm. But basically, I don't want to add to that as well. He did a, a lie detector test. He did three lie detectors tests, and he passed every single one and I actually looked up I looked at this up and I looked into the how what does it take to pass a lie detector test and it said the probability of passing the lie detector test is 1 in 10 million that's the like you can pass a lie detector and really? he did it three times and he passed all of them with the information that he was seeing but he also as well did hypnosis you know he did hypnosis to re- recollect he went to a hypnosis to recollect memories so the hypno the hip when he got hypnotized, so he could sort of bring back old memories of when he was there, because yeah. he wanted to try and remember everything that when he was there to write everything down, because he was like drawing the shape of the craft and everything, and he was even talked about the propulsion system and the anti gravity thing to actually to to make the ships work. Jeez, really interesting. And I'll tell you something really fascinating. Right towards the end of the documentary, if anyone watches it, you'll see exactly what I mean. It's a very, very interesting... The guy who's done the documentary has done it in a brilliant way as well. And towards the end of the documentary, there was basically... Because Bob Lazar obviously was working on the engineering side of things, so he's like trying to figure out how is the UFO craft working. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I can't remember the exact name of it, but there's a certain element. I think it was Element 52 or something. I can't remember. Look that up. It's called Element something. And he described the element as the thing that actually is the fuel for the UFO to make the UFO work or an element that makes a UFO work in some way and uh, what's interesting about that story is that this element he was talking about this like 20 years ago that that, what this element was in that at that time period 20 years ago it wasn't on the period period I can't say it periodic table Mm -hmm. and now if you look this element is now on the periodic table oh wow 20 years later and there's many other stuff that he said technology they talked about that was at Area 51 that's now in the mainstream as well so all that all that backs his knowledge up as well but towards the end of the documentary uh, they were having a discussion and the guy says to him like there's rumours that you actually snuck some of this element out of Area 51 and halfway through the documentary they realised they both had the phones on them and they like got panicked and got worried so that it, like, the documentary cut off and anyway the next night Bob Lazar's house and his laboratory got completely raided did it? and the FBI were all in like loads of different agencies were in his house reading through all his stuff jeez whoa so there's anyway it's a great documentary it really is it really is a great documentary so if anyone has any sort of I mean people can think what they want if, if aliens have visited here before they haven't or we're back engineering technology but mm. that's a it's a pretty marvellous concept it's a really good documentary and it's definitely something to talk in your mind and no. keep keep on 
thinking. Exactly. That's that's the key. The the, the thing is is just to keep asking questions. Exactly. We don't have the answers. We always say we don't have the answers. No one has the answers, and people like to think they've got the answers. But if you're open-minded, just 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 research. Just do a little bit of research and have a look. I know some theories can take you down a mind hole and take you to places that that maybe giving you the wrong information. Mm-hmm. But if if you build up your forces in your mind and you sort of and you're seeing coincidences in many different areas of uh, that because everything is linked. Yeah. The UFO conversations linked to many different topics, and you just keep researching, keep ticking away. Don't just don't just accept it as complete truth. Just ha- hold it in the back of your mind as something that's that it's something that some information that's just come to you as a gift, mm-hmm. and just let it simmer in your mind, and then just move on to something else. Look at another topic, and move on to something else. Yeah, look at another topic, and oh, then eventually, cool. if that topic does keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back, you'll find more and more truth in it. I love that's that, all man. we're trying to do. We're just trying to work out shit, aren't we? Because no one knows shit. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly we don't certainly know. don't. <laughs> Well, that's that's the beauty of life, isn't it? That's why we, I think that's why we're here. And I think that's a fantastic. Keep group. asking questions. Fantastic place to end it. Peace and love. Peace and love, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in, listening to that podcast of observing our thoughts. Like I mentioned, next week on the podcast, we are talking to Tom Campbell. Then after that, we're talking to Milton Wainwright about panspermia, and then the guy who built the brain, Stephen Ferber. And please, if you can, support the podcast for our Patreon page or our one-off donation option. It really would mean the world to us and help us to keep doing what we're doing. I really mean that. And it is the best way to support this movement in this mission that we are on. And just to play this podcast out, as always, on these Observing Our Thoughts, as we talked a lot about political infringement of knowledge, political corruption and suppression of ideas and government corruption i wanted to play this out with a talk by the 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 great comedian george carlin and this is a talk where he's talking about the truth on corruption so anyway enjoy this talk talk by george carlin peace but there's a reason there's a reason there's a reason for this there's a reason education sucks and it's the same reason that it will never ever ever be fixed It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers, obedient 
workers, people who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> you and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. <laughs>